Hey everyone, just a super quick message before we start this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. If you weren't already aware, I post all of my episode transcripts online. It's really important to me to be able to include everyone on the content that I make. So if you have any family members or friends who are hearing impaired and you think that they would also enjoy this podcast, you can forward them the link that's found in the episode's description. There's a button in that link that'll send you to where I post all of my transcripts. Alright, thanks for listening and back to the show. On April 15th, 2017, 54-year-old Zisco Gracia found himself in every cave diver's worst nightmare. He was trapped in an underwater cave, relying only on an air pocket for survival. Completely out of compressed air, and his last flashlight on the verge of dying, hours slowly turn into days. What caused this diver to get trapped, and what was his fate? Find out on this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. Hi everyone, I'm your host Alex and welcome back to Narcosis Into the Deep. This week we're going to talk about Zisco Gracia, what he was doing down in the caves, what went wrong, and finally, some safety aspects to consider for yourself should you ever go cave diving. As a geology teacher, Zisco spent most of his weekends mapping the underwater caves of Mallorca, a small island off of the east coast of Spain. Zisco says that, quote, Mallorca is more beautiful underground than above ground, end quote. He's a skilled cave diver, and he knew all the proper precautions to take while diving. However, even that wasn't enough to prevent this random accident that quickly turned his underwater adventure into a horrible nightmare. On a weekend in mid-April 2017, Zisco and his diving partner, Guillaume Macaro, wanted to explore Cova da Sapiqueta, a cave with numerous chambers about a half a mile or one kilometer from the cave's entrance. It would take the divers nearly an hour of swimming before they finally reached the first chambers entering the cave. Zisco and Guillaume made sure that they had a safety rope available to them. When cave diving, it's always important to make sure you have a safety line. And if divers frequent a cave, you can sometimes find fixed guidelines inside, meaning that you wouldn't have to lay down your own safety line each time you go in and out of these caves. These lines would already be inside and you could leave them there as you left. This was the case for this dive. Zisco and Guillaume were following the fixed guidelines inside the cave. After entering the caves, the two divers went about their own business. Zisco spent time collecting rock samples, and Guillaume swam off to chart a nearby chamber. These caves fascinated the divers, because they originally weren't underwater caves. These chambers flooded when sea levels rose more than 60,000 years ago, and they hold some amazing knowledge of history inside of them. Once the divers had consumed their allotted amount of air, they started to head back home. Zisco and Guillaume met by chance at a junction, and in this moment, they accidentally stirred up silt. If you already listened to the episode about Jacob's Well, then you would know what silt is. But just in case you haven't heard that episode yet, 
Silt is defined as, quote, fine sand, clay, or other material carried by running water and deposited as a sediment, especially in a channel or harbor, end quote. It's commonly found in caves, especially in the caves of Sapiqueta, and this is one of the most easiest, most common errors made when cave diving. Kicking up silt causes what divers sometimes refer to as a silt-out or a white-out, after disturbing this small, fine particles underwater, visibility is rapidly reduced to zero. These little particles get up against your mask and you can't even see an inch in front of your face. However, Zisco and Guillaume kept their cool. They didn't panic at all and that's very important in this kind of situation. They searched for the fixed guideline, the line that leads them to the entrance of the cave, and tried to follow it back out. However, at this point, that's when they knew something bad had happened. Their nylon wire was loose and had either been broken off or slipped from its mounting point. They were essentially on their own in this cave with no rope to guide them out, and now they had very poor visibility. Zisco and Guillaume spent almost an hour searching for the other end of the rope, wasting precious air. They both dove with four tanks of compressed air, and each tank lasts about an hour. They had gone through almost three tanks at this point, and they still had an hour swim back home, but they still had to make it out of this cave first. Knowing they were in grave danger, Zisco quickly came up with a plan. He grabbed Guillaume's arm and indicated to him that he wanted to swim deeper into the cave, away from the entrance. Guillaume, unsure of Zisco's plan, reluctantly followed. Luckily for them, Zisco remembered other divers talking about an air pocket in a chamber nearby. He pulled Guillaume all the way to the chamber, and once they surfaced, they were able to talk openly about Zisco's plan. They both knew that they had only enough air for one of them to make it out, and logically thinking, Zisco insisted that it would be Guillaume who would dive out and go get help. Zisco told him, quote, You are skinnier than me and therefore require less air for breathing. I'm also more experienced at breathing in cave air, so I will stay and you will go. End quote. Cave air is different than the air that we breathe above water at the surface level. It contains more carbon dioxide than our normal air. According to the National Institutes of Health, carbon dioxide acts as an exficient, meaning that the more you breathe in, the less it allows your body to absorb the oxygen in the air. The NIH states that exposure to high amounts of carbon dioxide can cause dizziness, headaches, fatigue, nausea, vomiting, confusion, and more. Zisco was estimating that the cave that they were in contained about 5% of carbon dioxide a vast difference than the 0.4% in our surface air. Since Zisco and Guillaume were down in the caves there to map them, they were able to work together to form a plan for Guillaume. Guillaume was to follow an alternative path than the one that they took in. It was a longer route and some portions didn't contain a guideline, but it somewhat avoided the kicked up silt. The water would still be murky, Basically, imagine driving your car on a very foggy night, but both of them knew that it was their only option. Guillaume was reluctant to leave Zisco, but if he stayed, they would both die. Once Guillaume had left, Zisco began exploring this large underwater air pocket. 
It was about 260 feet or 80 meters long and about 65 feet or 20 meters wide. And at some points, the gap between the surface of the water and the top of the cave reached 40 feet or 12 meters high. While exploring this massive air pocket, Zisco found a large flat rock that he was able to pull himself up out of the water and rest on it. This piece of rock would be crucial for his survival, and he knew it. He also discovered that part of the surface water was drinkable. While sitting on this rock, Zisco turned off his flashlight. It was his third and final flashlight. The other two that he had were dead, and the batteries in the last one were slowly running out. Turning off his flashlight, Zisco was surrounded in pitch black darkness. In this kind of darkness, you can't even tell the difference if your eyes are open or closed. He was alone down there, in the silent underwater cave with no idea what was lurking in the shadows or under the water just right next to him. Zisco would occasionally use the flashlight, but only when he needed to get up to use the bathroom or climb back down into the water to grab a drink. There was little that he could do while waiting to be rescued. Trapped 130 feet or 40 meters below the surface, thoughts began crossing his mind. Did Guillaume make it out safe? Was he not able to get rescue services? What if he got lost in the cave and died? Would someone else come down here and look for me? Will I die down here? Zisco had been a diver for a long, long time. He was safe, careful. He pondered why this had happened to him now, after so many years of experience. For the first seven or eight hours, Zisco was hopeful that Guillaume made it safely out of the cave. After that, the long hours stretched on, and he began losing hope. He thought about his two children, a son and daughter, how they were too young to lose their father and what might happen to them. Fatigued from the high levels of carbon dioxide, Zisco still found it impossible to sleep. His thoughts just kept spinning in circles. At one point, he got the feeling that there were lights under the water, and he thought he heard the sound of bubbles breaking on the surface. And he thought, rescue divers, they're here. He sat up quickly and turned his head, but nothing. Zisco knew that he was hallucinating. At what he thought was almost the full 24 hours after Guillaume had left him, he thought he heard loud noises. At first, he thought they were the sound of air tanks being filled up for the rescue team. Then he thought it was the sound of the rescue team trying to drill through the rock to get to him. But when the noises stopped, that's when Zisco faced his darkest moments. He thought about how he could die the way divers most fear, without food or air. He reached his hand down next to him, wrapping his fingers around his dive knife. He thought to himself, this is a last resort if I need to choose whether to die quickly or die slowly. As he was thinking this, he thought he heard the sound of bubbles again. He looked over to his right and saw a light under the surface. It was slowly getting brighter and brighter, but Zisco knew that this was probably another hallucination. And then, a helmet emerged. It was Zisco's old friend, Bernat Clamore. Zisco couldn't contain his excitement. He jumped into the water and embraced his friend. 
and Bernat asked him how he was, if he was okay, and just saying how terrified he was that he thought he was going to find Zisco dead. Bernat told Zisco that Guillaume had made it out of the cave and alerted rescue teams, but poor visibility blocked them from reaching him sooner. Rescuers had tried to drill a hole through the rocks to supply him with food and water, which explained the loud noises that Zisco heard, but this attempt had also failed. Finally, Bernat and a fellow diver, John Freddy, had made it through after waiting a day for the silt to settle. Bernat had to leave Zisco once again because he had to alert the rescue team that he found Zisco. Bernat left him some glucose pouches to help raise his energy levels and took off back underwater, leaving Zisco alone once again. It would take another eight hours to get Zisco safely out from the underwater cave and back to the surface, but Zisco says that it was a happy eight hours. On Monday, April 17th, 60 hours after his dive first began, Zisco emerged from the water and Guillaume was there to greet and embrace him. Zisco was immediately taken by ambulance to be treated for hypothermia, and he received pure oxygen supplementation overnight at the hospital. Zisco had kept his emotions under check during this entire event. It was ultimately what helped save his life, but watching the news coverage the next morning, he wept. He was so thankful to be rescued and still be alive. Just one month after Zisco's close encounter with death, he re-entered the caves of Sapiqueta once again. He wanted to explore that underwater air pocket that he was trapped in for so long. Zisco says, quote, I don't hold any grudges against the cave. It's not like it's the cave's fault, end quote. Zisco says that he will continue mapping Mallorca's underwater heritage, and although his children didn't like it much and wish that he wouldn't go back in, he says, quote, I have spent 24 years exploring underground. It's in my blood, end quote. Usually at this point of the episode, I like to highlight the important safety information whenever I can. But honestly, this entire story is a perfect example of what you should do should you ever find yourself trapped in a cave. Yes, Zisco and Guillaume were lucky that there was a large air pocket to stop, talk, plan, and survive in, and that won't be the case for every underwater cave, but they kept calm in the face of danger. That is the number one thing to remember if you ever go cave diving. If you start to panic, it's over. Always make sure that you have a guideline or safety line whenever you're preparing for a cave. If you're unsure if there's a fixed one, or if you question the integrity of it, bring your own safety line. The guideline in Cova de Sapiqueta broke after a rock had fallen on it. Luckily, Zisco and Guillaume were down there to map the caves and they knew the layout. If they had only been there for an afternoon adventure and they didn't know the layout of the cave, it's highly probable that they both would have died after getting lost. Their knowledge of the cave, composure, and willingness to part ways when they only had enough air for one person is ultimately what saved both of their lives. This event was horrific, but they both came out of it alive. 
While it isn't explicitly mentioned anywhere in Zisco or Guillaume's case, my other advice to you would be to make sure that you tell other people where you're going and for how long. If you get trapped in an underwater cave, make sure that you have a friend or family member who's above the surface who will know when you haven't returned in time and can alert search and rescue services as soon as possible. In an interview, Zisco mentioned that he was worried Guillaume had died after getting lost in the cave and no one would know that he was down there. But he also mentions that his family knew that he was diving there, so I can't really say for certain what pre-planning they had done with those who would remain on the surface. But just to reiterate, always tell someone where you'll be and at what time. Even if it's just through text, for example, texting them to say, Hey, I just got here, I'm getting geared up, I should be back to the surface in 60 minutes. I'll text you then. Then, that way, if those 60 minutes pass, 70 minutes pass, 80 minutes pass, and your friend or family member can't get a hold of you, they know to reach out to authorities as soon as possible. I've mentioned this in my other cave diving episodes, but I'm just going to mention it again. You have to have special training to go cave diving. You can't get an open water certification and then try to go cave diving. It's a completely different technique and requires different equipment and different training. So once again, you need that training, you need your guideline, you need to stay calm when you're in a cave, and always make sure you tell someone where you're going to be and for how long. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Narcosis Into the Deep. If you have any questions about the episode, head on over to our Instagram page at NarcosisPod or on our Discord for a chance to have your questions featured in next week's episode. I also just set up a Patreon account for the podcast and for just $3 a month, the price of one coffee, you can vote on what to hear next, get exclusive updates, get a shout out at the end of the episode, and get 10% off merchandise which will be coming out very, very soon. Thank you to my very first patrons, Laura, Andy, and Finney. You guys are the best and your support helps the podcast tremendously, so thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll see you guys next week. Mm